Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Tony Bryan with CyberUp. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Go Brand Go, Edward Jones, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Tony Bryan. Tony, Brian, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me this morning. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we've uh, known each other quite some time, and we reconnected here a few weeks ago, and I thought, well, heck, man, you're a great fit to, to have on the podcast with your background and your leadership, and so I'm excited to kind of dive in and let the uh, let the audience know kind of what you're up to these days. So let's kind of start um, in the beginning. Talk to us about growing up and really what led you to starting CyberUp. Yeah, so you know, so cyber up. We've we're about to come up on our six year mark, which seems crazy to to think of how fast the time has gone. Um, really, was a true kind of com- community effort that lots of different folks within the region, regional chamber, Southwest Illinois College Leadership Council of Southwest Illinois, Scattered Force Space came together and said, "Hey, is is there a need?" Or would it be beneficial for an organization to kind of convene workforce and youth education um, efforts around cybersecurity? Um, there were, you know, some research done, some statistics and comparisons of other communities that had done a really great job of, of doing some of those things. And it was determined, you know, that yes, St. Louis would benefit from this. And, you know, that was that was the beginning of cyber up. Um, you know, a couple months in, you know, they did started an executive director search. That's where I, you know, met our my board president and then had the opportunity to meet the rest of the board. And it was just a great fit, right? Like, um, you know, they were looking for somebody with a nonprofit experience, that, you know, will not, you know, mince words here, but definitely was not a cybersecurity guy when I took this role, um, but had some leadership skills and, you know, just a flexible, adaptable person that could kind of pick up and learn things as we went. So, um, I feel pretty good about my, my te- I wouldn't say my technical skills are good, but I could, you know, uh, carry a conversation around what cybersecurity is at this point, um, several years later. But if you put me behind a keyboard, um, it definitely would fall apart pretty quick. That's all right. It takes a leader really to kind of lead the organization rather than, you know, they haven't actually know the actual skill set on the back end, right? Yeah, I mean, some of it is centered around just, uh, I think, the the business side of, you know, running a nonprofit. There's, you know, there's different nuances and things that, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, a leader would have. 
Um, those things are a little harder and, and important, especially when you're starting an organization, right? How, you know, yeah. budgets, bylaws, development, fundraising plans, strategic plans, and those, those things, um, you know, and then oftentimes if you really find yourself in a spot where you need super technical jargon or super technical, you know, talks or presentations, you know, we've, we've got a, a great network of, you know, volunteers and mentors that are willing to kind of jump in and help navigate some of those conversations so i just i learned early if i'm invited to go and present to do something you know at an um at a conference or whatever you know bring somebody smarter than me in the technical side that can you know i can phone a friend if i need to absolutely absolutely so tell us a little bit more in depth about what cyber up is and what you guys are doing in the in the space yeah so i alluded to it a second ago cyber up we are a nonprofit. we are headquartered here in st louis our mission does have national reach, which is very exciting. We continue to, to grow and find new opportunities. As an organization, our mission is to cultivate the cybersecurity talent pipeline. Um, that was a shift you know, from a couple of years ago where we were looking at this idea of a skills gap. Um, and that's still a large narrative, I think, nationally, that we have the skills gap, skills gap. And I would you know, argue that the country has done a really phenomenal job over the past four years of, of creating tons of skills paths for these individuals, right? Like community colleges, four-year programs, pay-to-play boot camps, um, apprenticeships like ours, um, certification tracks. And if somebody's really, really motivated out there, they could go on the internet, never pay a single dime and, and get skills that they would need. The common denominator um, within all of those folks that are getting skills is that it's really hard to get that first role. And we're finding there's this idea of an entry level A and an entry level B, right? Like entry level A is two years of experience and a college education and advanced certifications. Um, And then entry level B is like actually truly entry level. Um, So our apprenticeship program has really been able to kind of fill that gap and partner with organizations and employers and companies across the region and beyond Mm -hmm to help them incorporate apprenticeship into their talent acquisition strategy, build out that kind of bridge or roadmap that takes somebody from entry level A to entry level B, um, and along the way, help kind of reduce some risk and cost and, and, you know, build out some infrastructure there. The other way we cultivate the talent pipeline is through our um, youth programs, right? It's important. This, this industry is growing, right? There, it's forecasted a million and a half jobs over the next several years, Um, so, you know, we have to get in front of middle school and high school students and say, Hey, this is a career field. This is a high growth, um, you know, high pay, high reward type of industry. Yeah. This is something you could do. These are the pathways, right? Many of the ones I just described between colleges that are, I would say are traditional or non-traditional, um, pointing them to whatever one's going to make the most sense and then supporting them along the way. So through virtual cybersecurity competitions for middle school and high school students, we can introduce them to concepts. We can give them basic skills, you know, that industry folks are doing um, and then coach them along the way and support their teachers and educators. so They can feel comfortable um, supporting their students. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing and um, absolutely. It's a growing industry. I mean, if you turn on the news at night, all you hear about is cybersecurity and, um, and this organization getting hacked or that, you know, organization getting breached or whatever you, you know, want to call them. And it's, uh, it's a definitely growing industry. And I'm, I'm pretty, I think it's pretty cool what you guys are doing here in St. Louis to kind of help pave the path, pave the path for, um, for that, you know, growing industry. 
Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges when you guys started up, um, you know, as a startup and nonprofit space, kind of what were some of those challenges you had to come overcome in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, so, the, you know, the, I think the biggest challenge is just understanding what it is you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Right. And that sounds very basic and elementary, but, you know, what, who are you serving? How are you serving them? And then specifically in the nonprofit space, it's really important to understand the measurement, right? What does, what does success look like? Right. So if I'm helping an apprentice or working with a middle school and high school student, you know, what, what are we, supporting them with, what is the end goal, and then how are we measuring their success and assessing them along the way? So, you know, who, what, when, where, why, how, I would say is the the, uh, the number one thing that's out there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I oftentimes, you know, on my, my LinkedIn profile, I says I'm a nonprofit nerd and I, I love this stuff. I've been doing it for 13 years. Um, and there's a lot of people who reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting this nonprofit. And my advice is always, stop. <laughs> no. um, you know, and I say, look out there, look, see what, what, what is it you want to do? Are there anybody or is there anyone else in your community doing similar things? And if they are, that's great. Could you take the program that you want to design and go be part of that organization? Right. Um, there, there's lots of great ideas and I'm not saying don't start a nonprofit. I mean, that, that's, you know, my, my asterisk here. It, it's really meant to be do some research, understand the market. Is there, is there funding that's available for you? Are you going to be competitive or complementary? Um, can you be collaborative, supportive, or are you going to really get in the way of, of other people that have been established for, you know, 10, 20 years? Um, you know, so that is a, a really important part as you're looking at nonprofits. And then I think just the, the day-to-day stuff, right. Of, of running a business for, for most startups, right. Hiring, um, policies, procedures, um, you know, we're a, a fairly small team of five, right. Soon to be eight. And, you know, as, as we continue to grow and things become more sophisticated, right. It's really important for us to constantly look at our operations, um, you know, start to empower other people, you know, in the organization to start leading their programs that they're doing, and then wrapping them around support, you know, I know we're having a lot of internal discussion now of like, these are our sticking points within, you know, certain process, you know, what, what are the steps? And then can we, is it an automate thing? Is it a, do we need another person in this process, you know, to help get, you know, beyond that sticking point. So, you know, those are all things to really help individuals be intentional about the organization that they're growing or doing. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I have talked a couple of weeks ago kind of about the success that you guys are having and the growth that you're having. But we also talked about how, you know, when COVID hit last year, it was kind of a, an oh crap moment for you. And and obviously, you know, I'll let you, you tell it, but um, you've been able to be successful and come through that. But talk to us about how when COVID hit kind of, you know, what your thoughts were and how you were able to kind of navigate and still continue to have the success that you've had. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like a lot of organizations and small businesses out there, like the, the moment of COVID hit, right, the world shut down, um, priorities for funders shifted, priorities and hiring for companies shifted, right? And so, you know, for us, you know, we, we earn revenue or generate, you know, uh, raise money as a nonprofit, you know, through traditional fundraising. So now, 
you know, people I would normally ask for money have shifted their focus on important things, right? So this is not not to take away from the importance of uh, food, <laughs> rent subsidies and that type of stuff, but a lot of the traditional fundraising kind of shifted to that. Um, once that settled, um, you know, and people were finding themselves unemployed for a while, then workforce development kind of bubbled up. So I think that that helped, obviously, for us to be able to to re-energize. And the other way that, you know, we generate revenue is through, you know, management of apprenticeship programs for our employer partners. So um, hiring paused, right? I mean, yeah. there was, there was a lot of concern. Um, you know, I, you know, I'll speak specifically to St. Louis, right? Like there were a couple, couple of large organizations that, that got hit pretty hard in COVID, right? Um, when you think of just specific industries that some of our larger companies have. And so there was a, uh, uh, quite a few folks that found themselves, you know, that were mid to senior level that had found themselves unemployed or out of work. Um, so the region had a pretty solid talent base, right, of, of cybersecurity professionals kind of floating around. And there was a lot of movement in that. Um, and entry level, because of that, entry level hiring kind of paused, right? Like there, I mean, there still was a little bit of it, but it definitely was not at the pace that it had been, you know, years before. So, you know, it allowed us to pause, right? And take a look at, you know, okay, back to the operations things of, you know, what was important, um, pause, what are the things we need to be spending our time most on right now? Um, and really lean into those things so we could make sure that we were going to come out the back end of COVID successful, right? And, you know, at, at the end of 2020, we looked back and, you know, we had our best year, which was very exciting, um, you know, and we, we had found some very incredible momentum heading into 2021 where, you know, we're on pace to, you know, to, to be substantially higher than we were last year. And, and then, you know, the, the more important part than, you know, the, the money aspect is that our programs are firing, all, are firing in all cylinders, right? We've got that figured out. Um, we know where we fit within regional ecosystems or national conversations and what value we bring to those organizations. Um, and that part's been, you know, I would say out of COVID, which just came a lot of clarity and everything, um, you know, minus the, of course, as you, as you alluded to the kind of, oh, oh no moment at the beginning of like, what's going to happen. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about your military background. Um, obviously, you know, for those who don't know, you have a, a you're a veteran, a military background. Talk to us about how that has kind of helped shape not only your career, but it's helped guide you with being the executive director of a startup in the nonprofit space. Yeah, I mean, so it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, right? Like, and I, it's a, probably a funny or an odd way to start that conversation. But, you know, I, you know, spent nine years Army. Um, I was a drill sergeant. You know, and, and I, the military is incredible. <clears throat> I The leadership skills you get there, um, the core values that are instilled in you and that stuff between, you know, for uh, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage, right? I've been out 12 years and those are still things that 
that I can recite fairly quickly. Um, those core values and work ethic and kind of leadership and teamwork, I think, stick with you forever. It's impossible to get that stuff out of your DNA. Yeah. That's the good. The bad, <laughs> the bad of it is, um, you know, it, it really is you you're always surrounded by young folks, you know, you're especially drill sergeant, right? Like I'm, I was, I was pretty young at that point myself, but you know, you're always around 18 year old kids and there's or young adults. I won't call them kids, young adults. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so you're always trying to keep up with somebody younger than you. And there's just, I think there's a level of uh, maturity or immaturity that comes along with that. And, and just the culture is very different, right? Like you're, um, your mission is, you know, oftentimes to protect and serve other things. And there's, there's things asked of you that are, that are different. And so just the environment is a, a bit of high trust. Um, and you're, you're very, you put yourself in, I'd say vulnerable situations where you're very candid and honest and, um, saying, you know, bad words and things, right. Um, that part's, you know, that it's hard to, to take that out of your system. What I would, what I'd say I've learned through all that is, a level of, I'm going to use a, a word that I, I feel like is getting overused at this point, but a level of authenticity, right. Um, that comes along with it. I'm regardless of work or home or wherever I, I feel like I'm always myself. Um, and sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's bad. <laughs> it, it's, it just depends on, on the situation. So learning, learning to adapt to those things is always important for for anybody, not just, you know, military. Yeah. Talk to me about your leadership views. So when, you know, obviously you're leading a team of five, soon to be eight uh, within your organization currently, and you've led people in the past, but how do you view leadership and, and how do you lead your current organization? Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I feel that my, my favorite style of leadership is always kind of based on that expert knowledge, right? Um, if I become great at one thing, I, I can speak to that at, at any level at any time and, and not, and never not know it. Right. That subject matter expert kind of knowledge. Um, so part of that is, you know, setting high goals and setting expectation for, for others to follow, but then supporting that individual to, to, to carve that out in their own way. Right. But then coach and mentor along the way. Um, but still always having kind of the end goal in mind. Um, I would say the other aspect is really, you know, sometimes the, the best leaders, you know, move aside and let others step up and, and take, take ownership of that. I, I admittedly am a terrible, terrible, um, compliment taker, right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, def, I deflect if, if somebody says, Hey, that that's great, or you did a good job or, or whatever, I'm always going to try to give credit, um, to somebody on the team for the effort that they did just because that's not, that's not why I, I'm not in this. I'm not in things for self promotion, right? Like I, I would rather the work um, of the organization speak volumes. And then if praise or accolades come from it, from there for, for me or for anybody in the team um, you know, that is there, we're getting recognized for our work, not necessarily because we went out and sought out, sought after, awards. Um, yeah. but, but leading from the front, leading by example, um, I definitely have always been important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. When you think back about your career and you think about your time in the military and now out of it, 
what is one of the most valuable things that you've learned over your career? Ooh, that's a good tough, one. Tough question. Um, that's a tough, <laughs> it is. Um, you know, I, the importance of high trust relationships it cannot be. Great answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I can look back to to cyber up to my military time to, you know, other nonprofits that I worked at Um, building a a high trust relationship with a donor, with a partner, with your team teammates. um, That part's really important. Right. Um, And, and that's the one thing that, you know, if I'm, if I want to raise funds, uh, that's good. The, a grant or corporate donation that is based off of, you know, generally a relationship with an individual person or organization and, you know, establishing a foundation of trust. Um, you know, so that has been, you know, the one thing that I try to pass on to other folks. And even as we look to grow in other cities or markets, right? Like we're, we're expanding to Colorado, right? We're looking to hire a person and have a community college we're working with out there without a hundred percent, without any undoubt, right? Without doubt, it's going to take a year, if not a little bit longer, as we move into a different market for that community to embrace us as a high trust relation organization. So, you know, hiring based off of that is really important. Um, and passing that along is obviously equally as important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that was a very valuable lesson. And I agree. Trust relationships are absolutely important and key to, to anything. Um, let me ask you this from a, from a personal standpoint, and you think about books and, and, you know, uh, things that you've read or, uh, people you've listened to from a speeching, a speak, uh, speaking perspective or, uh, mentors you've had along the way, have there been anything that has stood out from a, from an educational standpoint that has stood out that's kind of shaped you as a person or in your career? Yeah, I think there's, there's two books that come to my mind. Um, so one is getting naked by Patrick Lencioni. Um, you know, I, I, full, full disclosure, I am not an avid reader. I, I pretend and want to be, and I have stacks upon stacks of, you know, fine leather bound books, you know, in my best, uh, Will Ferrell impersonation. Um, but Patrick Lencioni getting naked really is, it, it goes back to that high trust, high impact relationship and, you know, being authentic to yourself um, breaking down barriers. And for those that haven't read or, you know, done anything for Patrick Lencioni, you know, he's a business writer, but he always writes it in the the form of fiction. So he takes a core concept and kind of writes that out, um, through a story and then it it puts it into action. So, you know, it makes it very tangible and real. Um, the other, the other book that, you know, that I I recommend, and I feel like I should be on this company's payroll, um, is, is traction, Right. Um, traction is, you know, written by Gina Wickman. Um, it is the, the, the model, the entrepreneurial operating system that we use at CyberUp. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were due for a strategic plan refresh. And, you know, I, for, for those that are listening that have, you know, sat and read not nonprofit strategic plans, oftentimes they're 20 to 25 pages of words and SWOT analysis and all this stuff. And they oftentimes just sit on a shelf, right? Like they're, they're not inspiring. Um, there's not any systems or anything, any process along the way that kind of helps, you know, actually execute on that strategic plan. 
subtraction, you know, provides, you know, not just kind of a framework of what, where you want to go in the next one, three, five years. It really helps you look at your core values, you know, what you're measuring um, as an organization. And then it has, you know, scorecards and other system things in there that hold that, that the team can rally around what you're measuring um, and really build out the infrastructure or operations of, of the organization. So uh, those are, those would be the two getting naked by Patrick Lencioni and traction by Gino Wickman. Yeah. Both fantastic books. I've heard, I haven't read either one of them, unfortunately, but I've heard absolutely great things about both. I know a lot of the EOS implementers here in the St. Louis area that implement the traction model. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, great, great books. You know, Tony, I always end this podcast by, you know, asking my guests to, to leave us with a piece of advice. So, Tony, if you could uh, leave us with a piece of advice, whether it's on personal business, uh, nonprofit, whatever it may be, what would you leave us with today? Uh, you know, so my, my oldest son always, you know, jokes and says he's here for a good time, not a long time. Right. And it always kind of it always makes me laugh, um, you know, but I, I think there's some some value in that. Right. Like we, we are in the grand scheme of the universe, we're here for a blip, right? 75, 80, 90 years, you know, for lucky a hundred years, <clears throat> um, you know, spending time on things that are important to you and spending time on things that, um, that you value, right? Like family is, you know, obviously is important to me. I mean, I've, four children have been married almost 21 years, which is crazy. Um, Congratulations. You know, thanks. You know, so finding, that passion, you know, and kind of just thinking how quickly time goes, right? Like you and I were talking that, you know, you have young children, my, my, my children, my youngest are 17 at this point. And, and it, it, I look back, I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> I, in two years, I, I'm empty nest, right? I'll be 45 years old. And it just, that part seems absolutely crazy to me. And, it, but in a blink, we're here, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, not, not taking for granted those, those years and that time, um, you know, also, you know, especially for those parents out there, right? Like sometimes kids need to be kids. I've, I've met some incredible high school students over the last several years doing this and they want to grow up. And I'm like, man, you have 22 summers between now and, you know, the time you hit adult. Cause I remember my oldest, I just remember a vivid conversation where he, he called me one day and he's like, is this it? Right. He's working full time. So I think he was selling cell phones for sprint or something. And he's like, is this it? Like I get up, I go to work, I come home, I get up, I go to work. I'm like, welcome to adulthood. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is it, man. <laughs> that's it, dude. Like, good luck. <laughs> you know? So like you've made you know, it. Yeah. So one of the, like the parts with like, with kids is like, you have 22 summers, you know, and in re reality it's 17. If you sprinkle in from kindergarten, right. Like enjoy that time, let kids be kids. And um, you know, find things and encourage them to, you know, to, to explore and, and be successful and, and try things and learn things and from their mistakes. And, you know, back, you know, kind of tying a nice little bow in this is our lives are short, their lives are short, take advantage. And, you know, it's all about experiences along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love your son saying I'm here for a good time and a long time. That's uh, I may have to use that. I've never heard that, but I love it. So. <laughs> Tony, on behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast and myself, I appreciate you being a great STL leader. I appreciate what you're doing for the nonprofit space here in St. Louis and CyberUp, and we wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate the opportunity coming on, and thanks for what you do and bringing, you know, bringing 
lots of great regional leaders from St. Louis. We're, we're very blessed in St. Louis to have great people. I, I, you know, I feel honored that you, you know, chose me to be recognized on the podcast today as one of them. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Katie Silversmith.